welcome to my podcast, Worlds Collide. I'm the host of the show, Victoria Daute, and I talk with my international guests here in the show about the experiences they made in their new country versus their home country. Today, Ryan from the US is sharing his story how he ended up in Busan in South Korea. Uh, he lives there now for over 10 years and he started as a teacher and is now an award-winning comic book author. Honestly, Korea sounds like the place to be. <laughs> he definitely has a lot of interesting stories to share in this episode. So listen in, here it is. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for being on my podcast. Welcome. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing very well. Yeah, cool. Um, so I saw that you lived in Costa Rica and Panama, Mexico, India, and then finally <laughs> you settled down in South Korea. Yeah, so, I've been a, a lot of places, yeah. Yeah, and um, that is crazy, but I was wondering why you wanted to leave the U.S. in the first place. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, like, I never planned on traveling. I just, I was obsessed with making comics. My plan my whole life was I was going to move to L.A. and uh, and start working with Disney mm -hmm. and do the do all that, and then, like, the year that I graduated from animation school was when the entire animation industry got laid off Oh, and there were no jobs. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was on instant messenger at like 3 AM and a friend's like, have you heard about this thing in Korea where they desperately need English teachers? So they'll buy you a plane ticket and uh, get you an apartment and you can teach English to kids who already know how to speak it. And yeah. I'm like, Nope, but I'm going to do it. And <laughs> by 4 AM I had a job. Oh, and okay. Then, And then the next morning, I went to my parents' house and was like, hey, uh, guess what? I'm moving to Korea. Do you have a map? I don't know where Korea is. So, um, Very so that helpful. was where it started. Yeah. And then I just, I loved it so much. And I realized like, oh, wait, I can just, instead of doing animation and like, you know, doing grunt work for someone else for like 30 years before I'm allowed to have a creative thought, I can just make comics from literally anywhere in the world and travel right. wherever I want and be my own boss. And so that's what I decided to do. And I, uh, for a decade, I moved to a new country every year. So it was pretty great. Oh, and um, was it because you didn't have the visas that you had to move every year? I mean, it depends on, on the place. Uh, some places I stayed longer, some places I stayed shorter. Um, you know, some place, you know, you have to figure out the visa every place, but it was yeah. just kind of like, I can live anywhere. Like the people I'm working for don't even know or care where I live. So like mm -hmm. it to be the point where I'd like watch a, a cute video of a sloth on YouTube and be like, yeah, I'll move to Costa Rica. Let's go <laughs> and just get on <laughs> sure. a plane and go there. And yeah, a lot of times I was moving to places where I could afford to live. Like a lot of people, they hear that like I'm this globetrotting cartoonist that moves all over the world. And yeah. they thought that I was super rich. And I'm like, no, I just couldn't afford to live in America. Like yeah. <laughs> I can I can fly to Costa Rica and have a private beach house for like a hundred bucks a month. Uh, or right. I can come to America and, and be homeless. So I yes. used to travel the world. For sure. So how old were you when you uh, moved abroad? Uh, let me see. I was just graduate. I guess I would have been about 21 when mm -hmm. I, I graduated school mm -hmm. and first went to Korea. Okay. And where are you from in the U.S.? I'm from Michigan. 
Uh, I went to the College for Creative Studies in Detroit. Uh-huh. And yeah, that, that's where I grew up. My family did travel. Uh, we did a lot of trips across the U.S. camping. My big international trip was when I was in high school, I was a student ambassador to Australia. Uh, but other than that, I, I was very much a homebody and didn't go out. And so everyone was surprised when I like all of a sudden I'm moving all over the world. Yeah, for, yeah, I can understand. That's like exactly the opposite <laughs> of what you're, what everybody expected yeah. you to do. Mm-hmm. So, and how come that you chose Korea then at your final destination? Yeah, well, I Korea was a country I kept coming back to. Um, if you want, I, I can I can do the quick run through of the places that, mm-hmm. it, that I did to get me there. I'll read it off my website. It's a long list. Um, <laughs> I have. I was a Gator Wrangler in America, an ambassador to Australia, an undocumented, sorry, an undocumented animator in Canada, a Ghostbuster in South Korea, a Bollywood voiceover actor in India. I wandered Kim Jong Il's secret tunnels to North Korea, slept on a bench in a typhoon in Japan, dug toilets in Thailand, did an accidental illegal border crossing into Burma, made comics in Cambodia, Malaysia. Singapore, Laos, Vietnam, and the Philippines, documentaries in Colombia and Ecuador, podcasts in Malaysia, ran with the bulls in Mexico, barely escaped being eaten by lions in Kenya, fainted atop Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, got caught in a Peruvian coca war, lived in a Costa Rican rainforest and a Panamanian volcano. So That's a lot of places. Yeah. And a lot of adventures. <laughs> yeah. So after all of that, uh, I, Korea was a place I kept coming to just because I had so many close friends for my first trip. And then right. on one of the trips, uh, I you know, I met my wife the first time that I came to Korea. Okay, she is Korean? Yeah, we were just very mm-hmm. good friends uh, all the times I kept coming. And then we got married, and then we've kind of been uh, sticking around here for a while. Eventually, maybe we'll uh, we'll get back to traveling, but we've just been, we've had, we have a very nice life here, very beautiful apartment. And... Uh, And yeah, we've, uh, we've just kind of, we, we, we only thought we were coming back to Korea for one year and then it just kind of, that year kept extending. Okay. Um, and where in South Korea are you? We're in Busan. Uh, if you've seen, uh, Black Panther, that bridge that he's jumping around on, uh, that's right outside our window. Um, I was there watching them shoot it. Oh, cool. It's the second largest city in South Korea, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, and um, how was it for you to learn Korean? Um, I, I don't, I don't speak uh, Korean very well. I know a little <laughs> bit, but it's actually very easy to get around. Like, you know, the reason they need to be English speakers because everyone studies English. And the, uh, the thing okay. that makes life easy is that, um, the Korean alphabet is incredibly easy to learn. I made a comic called learn to read Korean in 15 minutes and you can literally <laughs> in 15 minutes get it all down and it's much easier to read than English. And, um, and yeah, you'll notice when you walk around, uh, if you can read the alphabet, a lot of the signs are just English words written out in Hangul, the Korean alphabet. Uh, okay. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's very easy to get around. I've never had a problem. And you and your wife, you speak English at home? Yep. Yep. She wishes I spoke more Korean, but I guess I'm just very spoiled here and how easy it is to not <laughs> okay. learn. Okay. Korean and I'm just not that good at learning languages. Okay. I think if it's not a um similar language to the language that you're already speaking, um I think mm. it's incredibly hard, especially like if you don't even have the same alphabet. Yeah, well, I mean, especially like since I moved to so many places, my brain just 
has made a section for not English. So when I try to speak any language, it's just like every other word is from a different language of like mm-hmm. what bits and pieces I picked up when I lived there. And then I'll like correct myself and try and say it again, but I'll just switch the like, you know, the Korean turns to Spanish and the Spanish turns to Korean. And I'm like, I, I, it's all whatever, I can't, do it. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah, I have that sometimes too when um, sometimes it's just like a blockade and then I don't speak any language. You know, yeah. it's like, um, I know the word, but it doesn't come out in any language. Yeah, when I try, I'm like, uh, ¿Dónde es el huajangshil? No, 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 wait. That's, okay, wait. <laughs> then I switch it backwards and I'm like, ¿Banos a DAO? I'm like, no, wait, that's the same two languages. And I, ah, forget it. Yeah, so it's your, uh, your uh, first language Spanish? My first language is uh, is English. Uh huh. Okay. Um, I was wondering because I, of your last yeah. name because yeah. it's my, sounds Hispanic. Yeah, my grandfather was from Mexico. I grew up in the U.S. and then later I moved to uh, Mexico for a year. Um, go make comics. Did you live uh, by your family then when you moved to Mexico? Um, I lived in my grandfather's hometown, but we never found any of his family. Uh, he had, he I had see. been lived in the U S for a long, long time. I, see. I did find some fellow Estradas that put, could potentially be relatives, but we have like no evidence you? of it. So kind of, so we just decided we're family and just became <laughs> <Yeah>. best friends, <laughs> okay, but sure. you know, no, no direct evidence that they're related, but why not? They are <laughs> close enough. So would you ever consider moving back to the U.S.? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I head back to the U.S. for a couple months every year now just to do book tours and events and things. And, you know, I, I would love to come back for, uh, you know, for a while, like especially if I have a, a few new books coming out to be able to do more. Um, but, yeah, I, I love traveling around the world. So I, I, I like to always keep my options open, even if I've been settled in Korea At, in the same place uh, right now for like 10 years straight. Like I like to have mm-hmm. my options open so I can go anywhere. And that includes the U.S. Yeah. Is that even longer than you lived at one place in the U.S.? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I left uh, the U.S. when I was 20. So I guess that um, I But lived there for 20 years. There? Yeah. Well, no, we, we always lived in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think total I've lived in between this 10 year trip and the previous trips, I've probably lived in Korea about 15 years total. Yeah. So not too much longer. And I'll have matched my entire yeah. childhood growing up there. So I imagine it's a very international place because everything is also in English. So mm-hmm. do you have um, a lot of international friends over there? Yeah. The thing that I love about living in Busan is there's an amazing art community of, uh, of foreigners and mm. expats. Um, And yeah, we're part, there's a lot of uh, people, there's a, a group called Liquid Arts that runs uh, a creative community here. There's um, spoken word events, there's comedy events, there's music open mics, there's poetry slams. And uh, and I've done like uh, 24-hour comic events where everyone gets together, makes, some people make their first comic. Cool. And it, it's there's expats, there's locals, uh everybody kind of gets together and makes art together and the community is nice. just the right size that like there are other cities I know that have art community, international art communities like this, but they're very cliquish because they're uh, so big. Yeah. They got it. But this yeah, one yeah. is just the right size that like 
um, when I came, I had never spoken on stage before, but someone's like, Hey, we're doing a, a poetry slam. You want to try it? And I'm like, sure. And then someone's like, Hey, you did that. You wanted, we needed someone extra for Shakespeare. And I'm like, sure, I'll do okay, that. Okay. And then someone's <laughs> like, Oh, we're, we're hiring for the radio. So I did that. And so okay. everyone tries all these new art forms because, you know, they're, especially because they're expats and like, uh, you know, their visas depend on them ha- on this one specific job and it's illegal yeah, for yeah. them to do another job. Mm-hmm. Like they, a lot of people, their creative outlet is doing these creative endeavors and just yep. working with people from all over the globe and working from people there in Korea and multiple languages makes a lot of interesting things happen. Yeah. That sounds uh, also very great because um, you already had a community that you had to mm-hmm. go to or you could go to. Mm-hmm. So you never really felt alone? Yeah. That's yeah, it's awesome. A, I, I, love, I love living here. Because like you, uh, when you talk to a lot of experts, they're like, yeah, it's so hard to make friends, mm-hmm. you know? But it sounds yeah. like if you have an art community and I don't know, it sounds like very welcoming. Yeah, I think maybe that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons I stopped, you know, traveling is, uh, or going to new places every year is because like, you know, it, when it, when it started and I'm young, it's like, oh, I, I made a whole new group of friends. Yeah. And then like you do it every year. And then like after the 10th time, it's like, I need to start my life over again. And yeah, I don't know I anybody. Know. And, and mm. it's awkward. And, a lot uh, of small talk. Yeah. And then like some places that it's a very, very small community of people that speak the same language. And, and as much as I try and learn the language, it's not enough to like make a real connection. Right. And so, or at least in the year that I'm there. So, so yeah, that, that life of a new country every year was amazing at first. And then eventually it got to be like, I don't know anyone. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Once, once I came to Korea and that, you know, that found this community is when I kind of like, I feel great. And you also had previous friends from your, um, Mm -hmm. from your beginning when you were a teacher. Yeah. How long were you a teacher for again? Uh, I was a teacher on and off at different times, uh, but yeah, I, I just did one year in Korea the first time, mm-hmm. and then recently I I did uh, about seven years of teaching, like uh, in between comic projects. So I on and off. Uh, it was only a couple of years ago that I went back to being a full time uh, cartoonist. So is this also when your um, the band book club? came up because that's pretty uh right on time right now yeah it was it was because of the success of band book club that i was able to go full-time because i've like i said i've been making comics since i was a baby i've been making comics all over the world and like that doesn't mean anyone's ever read them or bought them but (laughs) uh i i just do i do one book with my wife who's never uh never been interested in writing her comics in her life and we make Uh, a book together and all of a sudden all of a sudden that one blows up internationally and is being translated all the world and winning awards and becoming a bestseller and then from that we both got agents and and got a bunch of more book deals so now it's that's the the full-time that's why you were full-time okay that's awesome i mean dream come true right yeah and that that comes from traveling because when i first started making comics the first comic i ever published was in our local newspaper in Michigan and it was about an orange cat who's too lazy to chase mice and that's because my only life experience was reading Garfield 
Yeah. So that's what I made comics about. Right. <laughs> but then once you start traveling the world, moving to a new country every year, meeting people all over the world, you hear all these interesting stories, you have all these interesting experiences. And it's like, oh, I finally have things to say that are not regurgitated from other stories. And right. that's something I, I really think it's important for writers to travel and get out and have experiences yeah. and like all the things people think they're doing when they're procrastinating. Even if you're not traveling to another country, if you're just like, there's an alley I've never been down or there's a bus I've never been on. Sure. Like just getting out and doing something unexpected uh, is what gives you things to write about so that you can make something that surprises people and is interesting. It's just like in the end of the day that you finally have something to say to your husband yeah. or to your yeah. wife, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I understand. Um, is there anything, though, that you really miss? Um, you know, when I first came to Korea back in 2002, there was a lot that I missed because there was a lot that wasn't here in Korea. Um, I all sorts of different types of restaurants that I missed, food that I missed. I remember one time where I was so desperate for Western food, I took a two and a half hour bus to a Bennigan's to have nachos. Oh God! And I'm sitting there eating the grossest nachos I've ever had. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm eating fake Mexican food in a fake Irish pub from an American chain in Korea. This is yeah. as far from nachos as you can get. Yeah. And I'm like, I, and as soon as I like went back home, I'm like, my parents picked me up at the airport and I'm like, Stop at a Taco Bell. I don't care. I need some nachos. I need, <laughs> I need some burritos. But now um, so much has come to Korea that when I go back to the U.S., like especially after the pandemic went back, like all the restaurants closed and like especially my parents live in Michigan, like everything's kind of spread out and a lot of stuff isn't available anymore. So there's more Western food variety here yeah. than there is in the U.S. So, so now that's where I miss I can go to the U.S. and miss Western things that I get in Korea and, of course, also miss the Korean things. So now I get, I've get i been gone long enough that I get the reverse culture shock. What is, uh, for example, the biggest reverse culture shock? Way back the first trip I went in 2002, I remember when I came back, I was walking around the supermarket and I felt really weird and I couldn't figure out why. Like something was wrong and I, uh -huh. like my heart was beating. Like I don't know what's different. And I realized no one was staring at me. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, oh, they're not supposed to because it, it, that has also changed now. But when I went there in 2002, there were very few foreigners, very right. few white people. So mm -hmm. when I walk around, everyone would be like, oh, my there's God. a foreigner there. <laughs> and like parents would like run up and hand me their baby and be like, teach my baby English. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it's like, so when I went picture. back and no one's, yeah, and no one's looking at me, it was weird. And I'm like, oh, it's actually nice not to be stared at. I just, <laughs> I just wasn't used to it. But now, like I said, now there's so many uh, people from all over the world here that that's not really a thing anymore. It was just mm -hmm. a, I was there toward the beginning of uh, yeah. of the wave of of teachers coming in. Ah, okay. Well, that's a that's a nice reverse culture shock, kind of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And um, what would you say is better over there? Or what makes things easier, let's say it this way. Yeah, I mean, Korea, the infrastructure in Korea is amazing. Like, like I can public walk transportation up, I can, or? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I can, for public transportation as an example, I I can decide I want to go anywhere in the country, walk out my door and there's cheap transportation leaving within six minutes. Oh, nice. And I can, I can get anywhere in the city for within an hour 
for less than $2 and I can get anywhere in the country in less than two hours uh, for probably like less than 40 bucks. Um, so like, and now when I'm, I'm planning my book tour that I'm going back, leaving soon in the U S and like, I'm like, Oh, uh, I want to stop by this, this bookstore and do an event. That's like an hour away from where I am. But then I look at public transportation. It's like, it'll take 16 hours and you have to spend the night and then it'll take 20 hours back. And I'm like, yeah. how, how it's you an hour walk. away. <laughs> you can yeah. walk. It's faster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like going back to Michigan, Michigan is, you know, Detroit is, the motor city so mm-hmm. there's like there's no sidewalks there's no nothing to get yeah. anywhere uh-huh. and i was taking my uh-huh. wife back and talking about how we needed a car she's like oh we can just take the bus and i'm like oh there's no bus and she's like well what if you want to go somewhere and i'm like oh you don't you just literally yeah. cannot go there if you don't have a car that's how it works there so yeah the, the getting around is amazing and just like the infrastructure of of everything of the art like i can look out my window and see the um like as an artist right out my window there's the global webtoon center where the the government like gives free offices and studio space to cartoonists to do their work there's a space where uh, there's there's a place where if you have a podcast there's free recording studios like the really fancy kind that like have a like bank vault door to block sound they got uh you can rent camera for totally free uh cameras and boom microphones for filmmakers because they want to support the arts um Mm -hmm. Just every everything is supported. Like even just walking around, like uh, for handicapped people, blind people, like there's uh, like everything is like anywhere I want to go in the city. There's like these bumper, uh, you know, like sometimes you see like the the yellow strips that have like markings on them that people can yeah. pull with their cane. That goes literally anywhere you want to go. You can follow that anywhere in the city. Um, yeah, it's just set up so well. Okay, it sounds. Yeah, sounds very easy. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. It sounds really great. Uh-huh. I'm at the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's mostly just easy. It, it it is easier to set up that way because it's such a small country, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah. So that like it's it's very easy to set everything up to be have public transportation. You, like in Michigan, everything's so spread out that it'd be a lot harder to sure. have a train trains that go everywhere you want to go. But so, how far would it be for you to go to? Um, I mean, I only know Seoul. So, how yeah, far would it be? Busan to Seoul. Um, you can get an airplane uh, for forty bucks, and it takes an hour. Uh, you can take the KTX for uh, like fifty bucks. It take KTX the speed train takes two mm-hmm. hours. Uh, the cheaper train that's like twenty to thirty bucks takes five hours. Or you can ride your bike there. I rode my bike there a couple of years ago. Oh um, yeah. Some people do it in one day. I did it. I took five days so I could kind of explore and see the country on the way. So there's, it's got many options to get around. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. So is it, um, is it basically just because I haven't, I haven't been there and I haven't spent too much time reading about South Korea. Is it just a bunch of big cities or do you have a lot of rural areas or countryside too? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of beautiful countryside in between. That was the best part of riding my bike is that like the, you can, I can ride my bike from right now from one side of the country to the other and never see a car. Mm. They've, they've set up this beautiful trail through over rivers and through uh, farms and villages. And like, 
and yeah, it's, it's stunning. Lots of small towns, lots of little villages and, um, adorable places. And mm-hmm. side note, the fun thing about the bike tour is that they've also set up like these booths all over the country with stamps and you get a passport. And if you ride your bike from uh, Busan to Seoul and get all the stamps, they give you a medal. Oh, nice. That's cool. I have that for um, the U.S. Uh, national parks. Well, you just okay. have to get like a, a stamp in each yeah. national park. Yeah. And how are the um, the South Koreans when they find out you're from America? How do they usually react to Americans? Um, like I said, when I first came, it was always very excited. Like, uh, I want to learn English. My kids want to learn English, and I'm like, I'm just walking down the street, man. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't teach you the language right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. You know that that has kind of dissipated, but everyone's incredibly friendly all the time and incredibly helpful. Um, I always joke that if I if I'm ever in any trouble, I just make the foreigner face, which I just go like, have this dumb, <laughs> okay, yeah, lazy look on my face, and someone will run and help me. Okay, um, and yeah, that it's it. People go way out of their way to to do anything they can to help. And um, did that change over the years? Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't changed that people are helpful. It's just changed the like the amazement and like, uh, like it, it used yeah. to, it used to be a shock, and they, uh, you know, they'd want to help, but they'd also want in return to to learn English. But yeah. now I'm not I'm no, I'm no longer a novelty. I'm just kind of like, oh, that poor thing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Let me help. Yeah. Him. <laughs> and and what about their like customs? Is there anything that you would say you don't get, like that it's hard for you to comprehend? Uh, no, I mean I've been here long enough now that like I'm I, I basically mm-hmm. am like the falling cream. But I remember when I first went, one of the most confusing things to me was there's a custom that um, when someone gives you food, you don't eat the last bite because if okay. you eat the last bite, it means they didn't give you enough, and, and so they hungry? have to give you more. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I went to a dinner where someone made bibimbap, big old giant giant bowl, and I'm like, I don't know if I can eat all that. And I, as an American, I was taught, like, you eat every bite. It's rude not to finish yeah. the food people give you. The exact opposite. So I finish it, and I'm like, that was a, and she pour, gives me another bowl. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. She's like, eat it. And I'm like, okay. So I eat the entire thing. And this happened, like, five times. <laughs> and I'm like, meeting. I literally will die. And uh, But everyone's staring at me, so I'm just like, like, my hands are shaking. I'm trying to eat it. And at the end, I finish, and she's like, I'll get you more. And I'm like, no, please don't. Please don't. And she's like insisting, no, I'll get you another boat. No, please don't do it. No, you have to take it. I can't take it. It's, it's custom. You have to take it. Okay, fine. I'll take it. And she goes, wow, you're a pig. And I'm like, you, you made me do it. It was like years later that I found out what was actually happening right then. But uh, Okay. So, yeah. Who was so nice and told you about it? Uh, I, I, I don't remember how, how I learned it, but it, I just kind of was explained at some dinner, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So, and you said you and your wife, you want to travel again? Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, we're we we do a lot of short trips. Like I said, I'm I'm heading back to the U.S. for a couple of months. She's going to join me for a week mm-hmm. um, on this trip. But yeah, it it'd be great to to go move to another country again. 
yeah. uh, either move to the U.S. or go live on a, another beach house somewhere. But would yeah, we're, be, we're, we're kind of winging it. Would you be ready again for more small talk and starting from scratch again? <laughs> That's going to be the hard part, but you know, I'll I'll do what I can. I mean, now it's been a while, so maybe <laughs> the stress level of that has come down. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm getting older now, so it's it's I'm I'm not as good at uh at you know, it, it I mean, as you get older, it's always harder to make new friends and and then when you when you move away and lose lose all of them at once then yeah, yeah. and you also don't go out as much anymore yeah. when you're older at least mm -hmm. me <laughs> or like <laughs> don't go to any bars where you meet people it's like more of an effort now i feel like in, yeah when you're a little bit older yeah especially like i don't drink so i yeah. I, i mean so no I end up in korea yeah in korea i end up at bars all the time because that's where all the creative events are uh-huh so i go there but like if i go somewhere where the bars just like where people just go there to drink then i'm just standing there awkwardly like do, 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 uh, yeah what are you even I'll, doing here i'll have a 14 dollar uh sprite please yeah <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah um where would you consider going i don't know um I mean, like I said, I would like to um, spend an extended period in the U.S. at some point. But, uh, I mean, we really loved uh, when we visited some of the islands in Indonesia. That would be nice to stay mm -hmm. for longer. Um, I've never been to Europe. I still I still want to go there at some point. Because, like I said, I was moving to places that I could afford to live. And that yeah. was never one of the options. Well, maybe but, Eastern um, Europe is a little bit cheaper. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to go to like, uh, like I said, I was student ambassador to Australia, but I haven't been back since. And, you know, it'll be a lot different as a, as an adult. And how are uh, you an ambassador to Australia? How did that happen? Yeah, I was part of the people to people student ambassadorship program. Uh, just a, a thing that they set up in schools where um, kind of like a foreign exchange thing, but it's a group that goes mm -hmm. and we traveled all across the country and we spent some nights in local homes and met some uh politicians and things um yeah it was i when i was planning to go i thought it was going to be a lot more like uh i had visions of what it was going to be and then i'm like oh this is just like a package to her but uh i ended up making a comic book series of, about what i hoped it had been like but yeah oh, i mean I, it, was, it was still a great trip um and that and that kind of like maybe put a little bug in my ear that hey travel's fun i can do it Yeah, so you only went to the cities. You didn't go to the countryside when you went there? Uh, we went to both. We spent some time in the Outback, stayed on a cattle ranch, oh, uh, nice. things like that. But yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I was much more um, ready to like be stressed about stuff. Like when, like when I was first moving to Korea, it was like all the things that could go wrong, what's it going to be like. But there was right. one experience that kind of changed all that. Um When I first moved to Korea, the the way they did it, they all, for some reason, they always had you come before they got you your work visa. You'd come on a tourist visa. And then mm -hmm. after a few weeks of teaching, they'd send you to Japan. You had to go. It was called the visa run. Okay, you have to yeah. go to Japan to get your visa. And then so they they sent me, but they decided they didn't want me to miss class. So they sent me on a holiday when there was no class. Mm -hmm. And of course... Uh, on holidays, the Korean consulate 
is closed because it's a Korean holiday. Uh, yeah. So I get there and I find out the consulate's closed and I can't get my visa to go back. So I'm stranded there. Oh. And then since I had just moved to Korea, I had no money. And I ended up homeless in in, in Japan. And oh. the next day there was a typhoon and all the, the flights were canceled. So <laughs> oh I was stuck God. there for a week with no money. And I found out that like you can't even use international cards there at that time. There was no way for oh anyone to send me God. any money. And at one point, I I I planned to sleep in the airport, and I found out that the airport closes at eleven, and they kicked me out into the typhoon. So I'm oh walking along God. the highway as like trees are falling down, like people were dying that I didn't know about. It found out later on the news, <laughs> and eventually oh, I found shit. a park, and I'm like, I guess I'm just gonna sleep on this park bench. And I was sleeping on a park bench in a typhoon. It was a typhoon. It was literally it was like, like crazy. It was like a hurricane, just, basically. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'm just laying there, like with my laptop holding it, like hoping it doesn't destroy it. Doesn't it. get wet. <laughs> and I was, and I also had the flu from like being homeless for a week. Oh. And I, I felt so terrible. And then all of a sudden, this little black kitten came and went to sleep on my chest. And it was such a weird experience. I started laughing hysterically and I realized that like, this is the worst moment of my life and I'm fine. (laughs) It can't get any Everything's cool. But yeah, I, I'm enjoying this and I'm like, I'm definitely going to tell, tell this story. Uh I'm definitely going to, 20 years later, I'm still going to be telling the story on podcasts. So maybe I can go out in the world and have these kind of experiences and things can go wrong and it's not the end of the world. So that's why it made me so, it made it so easy to move to another country every year because if things go great, great. If things go horrible, terrible, and I almost die, I'm going to make books about it. I'm going to milk that story for the rest of my life. So right. there have been, there, there have been places I like when I went to India, I got thrown out of a moving train by the police. Uh, like I mentioned, when I went to Africa, I got almost eaten by lions uh, I've been in all these horrible situations, but I wouldn't trade any one of them because I, I've loved all of them. So back to that story in Japan, how did you, how did you get back then if you didn't have any money and how, so how yeah, did you solve the problem? Yeah. I mean, eventually, uh, in order to get my visa, I had just bought a, a Game Boy Advance that was, that was brand new at that time <laughs> yeah. to, for the trip. And then I had, uh, I had like 10 minutes before the counter closed and I ran across the street and sold it to someone for $10. Uh, and then got my visa, got to the airport, found out all the flights were canceled. And then after that, luckily they were, they like let me change my ticket and not just have to buy a new one. But because so many flights been canceled, they were all sold out for like a week. Right. So eventually after a week of it, I was able to use my ticket and get back um and then just kind of you, know, you must have been I, so happy to be to have like a um a roof over your head again yeah i mean i i found ways to survive i found like uh uh various uh like electronic stores i could go sit on the floor and watch movies during the day uh free libraries i could go to um i i i I broke into the uh, Fukuoka Sports Dome and found a place to sleep until security found me. Uh, yeah, and that that was actually one of the two times I ended up uh, sleeping on a park bench in a typhoon uh, in 
in Japan. It, it happened another time for completely different reasons. So I have bad luck going <laughs> to Japan. But okay, um, so maybe don't go there again. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I I, I don't mind it because the second time there was a moment where I ran out of money, and I had like five dollars left, and I was make that time I was making the comic about the trip as it was happening. Mm-hmm. So I I ran out of money. I ran out of food and then my pen ran out of ink and I'm like, <laughs> I have right. exactly enough money to either eat or buy a pen and make a comic about how hungry I am. So of course <laughs> I bought the pen and made a comic about how hungry yeah. I was. <laughs> That's a better story. And what about that voiceover in India? How did you become a voiceover artist for a Bollywood movie? Yeah, I moved to India. Um, after the first trip to Korea, when I started traveling, um, originally I was hired for a job in China. They wanted me to run an animation school. I was going to be the head of the animation department at a university. Mm-hmm. And then the day before I left, I'm going way back for the story, but um, okay. the the day before I left, the the boss gave me a call and was like, "Hey, just wanted to say." Uh, excited to see you. Uh, I'm going to be there to pick you up at the airport. Um, welcome you to China. Just one thing. The job has changed a little bit. Um, <laughs> you're uh, you're not going to be teaching. Uh, you're not going to be the head of the department anymore. You're just going to be a teacher. <laughs> and, you know, you, in, you're not going to be at the university anymore. You're going to be at a private academy. Oh, and uh-huh. um, it's not going to be animation more you're going to be teaching english and it's not one academy it's like eight different academies you have to go between them during the day uh they're no more than like two hours apart each and we don't have transportation for you but the buses are fine oh and also instead of four thousand dollars a month we're paying you one thousand dollars a month oh and also there's no more apartment so you have to find your own housing what's Um, going on this is an expensive city so apartments do cost more than a thousand dollars a month but we'll figure something out anyway um I'll see you. In, I'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, no, I'm not coming. What are you talking about? Yeah. And they're like, but you, you took the job. You agreed to come. And I'm like, I didn't agree to any of that. So immediately, my plans fell apart, and I went online looking for something else. And I found a job at a Citibank call center in India. They needed a trainer, and so I flew out there for that. And I lived in India for two years working at that call center. The thing there was that I was hired because it looked good on paper for them to have a trainer from America because it was mm-hmm. they were doing American customers, but they were the people were too busy taking calls to ever actually attend training. So I was just okay. hired to be there and sit in a building, okay, uh, all night and not uh-huh. do anything. And I couldn't even like you can't bring your phone in the building, you can't use a computer because mm-hmm. of the information there. So I literally had to sit quietly in a building. Like what all do you night. do? All the, yeah, what do you, you do? You don't do anything. Well, I went crazy. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm already way. I'm already off on enough of a tangent from the question you asked. But like, I ended up like, like figuring out how to like sneak into the ceiling and crawl around. And like, mm-hmm. I, I went nuts. But anyway, while I was there in India, um, I decided to become a Bollywood superstar because it sounded fun. <laughs> and so I just, uh, I, I started figuring out how that was. I. I I met an agent. First, they set me up with some uh, commercial gigs doing voiceover. Uh, and then they 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 asked me if I wanted to be in Apkasurur, the movie, The Real Love Story, uh, which is a movie that has three misspellings in its own title. 
at movie is spelled M-O-V-I-E-E as an example. Okay, that's the first and one. Mm-hmm. Apparently it is it is like one of the worst Bollywood movies ever made that even my friends who loved Bollywood movies would not go see it with me. Oh god. And uh and my I was hired because they filmed the movie in uh Germany, but they didn't bring microphones, so they redubbed every single oh, no. voice. Oh so no. they just brought in a bunch of foreigners and they sat us there while they fast forwarded through the movie and if they saw a white person speaking they'd stop and be like who wants to play this guy okay and there was a um there was a german guy there but they would not allow him to do any voices because they didn't like his accent and i wait isn't that doesn't isn't every character german and they're like you do this sounds horrible yeah and like there was one character in the movie who is an uh is supposed to be a German news reporter, but the actor who played her on set was, uh, it was filmed in Mumbai. So she was Indian. And, uh, the first time she was on screen, she was played by, she was voiced by an American. The second time she was voiced by an Australian third time. She was voiced by an Irish woman. So like literally every time she's on screen, she's voiced by this, a different person. We're like, why don't you just have the same person? I want to get this done. And so my, my part was I played a police officer uh, and they call me up and they play the scene. And they're like, all right, your line. I mean, like, do you have the script? They're like, no, we don't have a script. Just the line is what the hell. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But he talks for three minutes and they're wow. like, yeah, just say what the hell. And I'm like, do you want me to improvise? No, you're not allowed to improvise. So, <laughs> what the so hell? just, just to show them how bad of an idea that was, they hit play and I just screamed what the hell for three minutes. <laughs> and at the end, I'm like, see, that doesn't work. And they're like, done, moving on. And it's in the movie. <laughs> so what's the movie called again? Maybe I will check it out. Or uh, somebody it, else I do not to. recommend it. It is not good. Mm-hmm. But it is called Apkasarur, the movie, the real love story. Love is spelled L-U-V. Movie is spelled M-O-V-I-E-E. Oh, I will try to find it. <laughs> and I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> All right. Thank you for okay. being guest on my podcast. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Thank um, you for having I me. Wa- yeah, I was wondering um, where you're going to be on your book tour. Uh, I'm heading to the U.S. Book Show in New York City. Uh, and then I'm heading to uh, the Ann Arbor uh, A2CAF Comics Festival. And then I'm heading to the... Uh, that's in Michigan. And then I'm heading to Chicago for the American Library Association annual conference. And I got a bunch of bookstore visits in between. But if nice. you want to know anything about my tour, or my social media, my comics, go to ryanestrada.com and everything is there. Lots of free comics you can read and information about my books and uh, links to my schedule. Yes. Awesome. Um, I saw your website and there's really a lot of going, lot going on and nice that you have a lot of free stories that's pretty cool thank you very much that were ryan's adventures from all over the world that was almost like a travel episode i feel like well definitely check out his website if you like comics it's ryanestrada.com just one word We did the recording a few weeks ago, but his tour is still going on. So definitely check out the dates. My website is worldscollide.wixsite.com slash my minus site minus one. 
or email at worldcollide123pod at gmail.com or of course Instagram, Worlds Collide Podcast and leave a review if you like this show. That would definitely help with getting a few more listeners. I hope I will see you next time. Bye-bye.